0: Welcome everybody to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. Man, that's a mouthful, but I'm happy to, <laughs> proud to have that title. Uh, sitting here in person again, uh, feels like old times, with uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg, you've you've secured us a lovely conference room to record in today. We're uh, overlooking Truist Park, uh, of the where the first place Atlanta Braves play, so it's a good day, and uh, we've got a fun guest today, one of your. Uh, former teammates and one of your—I'm not sure. Let's see. What's the right way to put it? Most active alumni, or as you say in the interview, one of your go-to guys, yeah, uh, Marvin Freeman. Sure. If you follow Marvin on Twitter or on Instagram or social media, you know what he's all about. That he's—he's he's got uh, a great personality and he's very active and involved in giving back in a lot of different ways. You're so—I I didn't realize till uh, we started talking. I think this is before the interview that uh, Marvin and his family had just moved back here to Atlanta a few years ago and uh, for some reason I had it in my head they'd just been here for a couple of decades and didn't mm-hmm. realize that but and I think the reason I thought that is because he's so active in the community and, and with the Braves and everything that he does in my mind it was almost like well Marvin's just always been here since he was a player here which obviously is you know not right uh, is incorrect but uh, boy what if what a just an interesting conversation with a guy who's got a lot of knowledge and a lot to give uh, to baseball in his community. Mm-hmm. Yeah Marquise Grissom has uh, brought in some
1: guys like himself you know Marquise's brother Antonio's the coach at morehouse and then and then Marvin works with that group and there's there's just a bunch of them Dwight Smith is here Terry Harper's here so we got a lot of guys in the African American uh, community that are really involved in growing the game teaching coaching helping develop young men and uh, so really proud of what those guys are doing and Marvin's been very active with us from from an alumni perspective and and all the events that we do. But I really, I really love how they've kind of taken hold of, and we've partnered with them to be able to not only enhance what they're doing, but just to try to figure out other areas, how we can, how we can support them. And for them running our RBI program, that's just not uh, you know, a one week event. I mean, that's literally it's spring, summer, fall. There's, um, there's a bunch of kids and now we're working on the softball side too. But, but from a baseball perspective, we're doing some really good things and i think you know years down the road we're going to look back at at how um how that really changed the kind of the landscape of of braves country
0: Uh, you know i i was thinking about that i feel like we're already starting to see uh, just uh, we're very just now to me or at least in my mind we're really kind of starting to see some of the fruits of all that labor because i think about when you and i started the show almost three years ago now and we would have these conversations with marquise Mm -hmm. hank aaron um whoever we were Having the conversation with, I think about where we were then and where we are now, and that we're starting to see some things like I as a Braves employee and working here and being involved with this franchise and this organization, it gives me pride when I see within the last couple weeks our Atlanta Braves RBI baseball team Mm -hmm. go and win the MLB RBI World Series. It gives me a lot of pride to see the RBI softball team make it to the championship Mm -hmm. game and come very close to win. And not that the trophy is what it's all about, but seeing those pictures of those kids that they're out there competing at at a high level for their group, they're and really, just seeing the smiles and the and the mm-hmm. pictures, the pictures of them smiling. Uh, I think the the softball team. Believe they hit a walk off to make it to the the championship game, and the pictures of the young lady who, who hit the hit the walk off. Like the the grin on her face as she was coming to home plate. Mm-hmm. It really warmed my heart, and it just yeah. I kind of felt that in that pride, like the employee pride of like I'm glad we're sure. doing this. The same thing I felt when uh, we unveiled the Gresham Park renovation, right? Or that when when we got the Uh, You know, great people that are working with community affairs here with the Braves that are going around doing this work, refurbishing other fields. Yeah, Boys and Girls Club, we did their their infield
1: um, right here in Cobb County. Then we've got kids that have been signed and are playing professional ball through our, you know, the Hank Aaron Invitational and uh, the Hank Aaron Classic coming through that MLB program that Marvin's a part of. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's at at all levels, girls, boys, uh, you know, from ages nine all the way up through. Now we've got kids that have come through the program that are playing professionally. So I think that's the investment that we've made from, you know, at the executive level and and through the foundation, uh, everybody on board uh, with the same perspective that we want to grow the game in this area, whether it's through HBCUs or whether it's through the RBI program. But it takes a commitment, and you have to believe that that's – and as an organization, you have to believe that that's worthwhile, just like for them to believe in what the alumni bring to the table and investing in the alumni association. That all comes from the top, and if those guys don't believe in it and they don't put the resources into it, it's not going to work. And unfortunately, we've got people – that uh, that believe in it and and it's it starting to show like you're saying.
0: Yeah, and it can't just be a, a one-off or a like, well, let's, let's write a big check once and then right. move right along so we can all feel good about ourselves because the, the, don't get me wrong, the big check is a, a very crucial part of it, but it's making that commitment to keep doing these things every year to not just the funding, but the resources and mm-hmm. the manpower and the planning and the commitment yeah. to keep doing it. Not just, you can't sure. just show up once and do it and that's what we've got here. And even, you know, we decided to have more on this week we wanted to have him on this week because hbcu night is coming up at Truist park we felt like that was a good opportunity for us to have Mm -hmm. him in uh because he of course played went to went to jackson Mm -hmm. state uh but it's it's i'm trying to think of the right way i want to say it i guess it's just look i'm a white guy from a rural part of virginia the mountains Mm -hmm. where it's it's pretty much everybody i went to school with look like me Mm -hmm. you know there were there wasn't any there weren't many that were that Weren't my same race. Mm -hmm. Um, And so moving here and and becoming part of these things or just just working with an organization working for an organization that's involved in these things it's i've learned so much i've taken in so much these conversations like the one we have today with Marvin are just important selfishly it's important to me as a as a person just to learn and grow and be a better mm-hmm. person and learn how i can contribute and help but i have this just i have such pride in seeing what what our our team is doing here i really do mm-hmm. it's it's i brought them up already but those 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 kids at the and the RBI Program seeing what they've accomplished this year, seeing the Gresham Park and like uh, our prospect Michael Harris and his yeah that's his reaction to when he first saw on the phone uh, or when he first saw what what Gresham Park has been turned into from when he played there as, as a youngster and he said he's like man y'all are about to make me cry it's like those those are the things which by the way if you if you haven't heard about Mike Harris from a baseball side of things mm-hmm. you're going to be hearing about him within the next couple of years because he's going to be really yeah. really darn good and he's going to be playing here at Truist Park I, I'll say with in the mm-hmm. next couple years, but I just have such pride as a, as a, as an employee of this organization and the work that we're doing here. Well, I mean, it's a complicated issue. It's not, if it was all about writing a check,
1: then our government would be, you know, the most efficient government in the world because <laughs> right. they write a bunch of, bunch of big checks and nothing gets done, you know? So it's more complicated than that. You have to have people, you have to have investment. So I think about Danielle and what she's doing on the foundation side. I think about what we do here night in, night out with different groups and what, the community relations group does. Now you have to have boots on the ground and people actually putting in the time and energy. And that's that's why we partnered with MGBA um, you know, Marquise and, and Marvin, they're there doing, they're in the trenches every day working with these kids. And so, yeah, you've got to support them financially, but you have to have people that are willing to invest the energy and the time and uh, under the direction of, you know, what what we have from an organization. So that's what I'm proud of is it's not just everybody can write a check from somewhere and say, oh, well, yeah, look, look what I did to support it. But that's, that's a small part of it. You really have to have the quality people that are willing to invest day in and day out um that's why I'm,
0: I'm proud of what our alumni are doing because they are the guys that are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I came, I wanted to work here, wanted to get involved because I love the game of baseball. I love the Braves and I love everything that goes along with just the game part of it and, and hopefully winning and contending and all of that. It's this other side of things that I really didn't anticipate how much it was going to impact me. Um, And it's not just with guys like Marvin and Marquise and their foundations and the work they do. It's uh, like coming up in September, stuff that you and I are planning and talking about for this show and for other things los bravos night with the the staff and the person on the mm-hmm. work that has been done there a thing that didn't a brand or part of this organization that didn't even exist when i first got here in 2015 and is now grown into this great thing that does a lot of work so planning we're doing there september's childhood cancer awareness month the work that's being done there by current former players that we're looking at doing mm-hmm. to help support and it's it's all those things that really uh those are the things i wasn't really thinking too much about when i came here to work it was all about the baseball side and i still love the baseball side but it's this other side of things mm-hmm. that we do here and it's it's a big part of the reason why we have the show yes we want to talk baseball but we want to for all you Braves fans you know you're the diehards you're listening to this show we want to get you a little bit behind the scenes about some of the other stuff we get to do here that we think is not just as important but in a lot of cases even more important mm-hmm. than wins and losses on the yeah, field so agreed well we didn't plug in the interview so I definitely want to make sure uh, check out Marvin Freeman youth dot org that is Marvin's uh, foundation which he'll talk you're going to hear him talk about here momentarily uh, you'll also hear me talk about him on Twitter uh, Marvin Freeman 84 give him a follow there he's a good follow he's uh, you won't be disappointed he's got good stuff and he, he keeps it lively and fun and active so he does that for sure Well, without further ado here he is Marvin Freeman
1: well Marvin welcome back to behind the Braves and you um have been on here before. I think you were with Jerry Royster when we did a podcast about what you're doing with MLB, and we wanted to kind of explore that a little bit more because we've got a couple things coming up. We've got HBCU Night here Friday night at the ballpark, uh, which is a big night for kind of from our perspective of how we're supporting uh, growing the game here in the in Braves Country. But also, you've got your hand in a bunch of different things, and uh, but I wanted to say this. So so Marvin. You lived in Chicago for a long time. And so when you retired, you and I had conversations early on about moving to Atlanta once your kids kind of got out of the house. And um,
2: and so you didn't. Tell me exactly what year was that when you moved? When you um, it was 2015 when we moved down 2015, here. Right. Um, you know, born and raised in Chicago. The winters got a little rough. Um, once my kids graduated from high school, we decided that it was time to relocate and downsize and no other place than Atlanta was mm-hmm. on our mind. So me and the wife, we packed up, moved down here, had a <laughs> chance to like blend in with uh, what Marquise is doing with his um, baseball program. And, and it just inspired me to kind of want to do some things on my own since I was a, a longtime brave and I was back in the community. I wanted to be a part of um, helping stimulate baseball in the black community and, and overall and just really just try and grow the game Mm. well and i and i bring that up because i was going to point out the fact that when
1: i started this uh, alumni association back in 2011 you know we were talking and uh you know and about it and then i was encouraging i've talked to like you and sid guys that live in the north said dude you gotta you gotta move to atlanta i said we got tons of stuff going on down here love to have you obviously your your involvement from the even before you moved down here, but specifically when you moved down here, you've been involved in everything that we've done, been doing, alumni Sundays on my weekend, fantasy camp, coach. So you've just been a great supporter of what the organization is doing from an alumni perspective, which I know the fans greatly appreciate that. And so I just wanted to bring that up because you have been one of the guys, that one of my go-to guys that, that does a lot for stuff in the community, um, for stuff for the fans. And, and uh, so anyway, I think that's uh, that's been great for me Cause of course I wouldn't have a job if it weren't for guys like you and what you're doing. And of course, you know, we were just out supporting the, the golf the Braves foundation and the golf tournament and all that good stuff. So all I right. just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you and, and being a part of all everything.
2: Well, I appreciate you, but I love the Braves. Um, The Braves gave me an opportunity to break camp for the first time as a big leaguer in 1990. Um, Had a chance to be on some winning ball clubs down here, make some great friends, um, guys that I'm still um, real close with to this day. The fans down here, they love the Braves, and I love the fans most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was always um, just a dream of ours to move to Atlanta, but having two kids and not knowing the state of how your baseball career is going to turn out. We wanted to stay close to home, but as soon as they got out of the house, we were flying down here, and um, this, is, this is what we call home now. Mm. Well, one of your passions is pitching
1: and specifically teaching pitching so you I know you do that on a regular basis you mentioned working with Marquise in the MGBA which runs our RBI program which we're very grateful for you guys and all the great work that you're doing in and around Atlanta with that program and developing the game and that's something I'm involved in Um, so I don't know if you know this but I've now taken over the camp clinic coaches clinics and all that kind of stuff um, for out everything outside of the RBI program so that's something I'm going to come alongside and support you guys and we haven't had that conversations yet, but that's something new on my place. So I've been passionate about it. But uh, one of the things I want to bring up is that because you're so passionate, we get to see exchanges on Twitter and, and how the game is today, pitching. And so just talk a little bit about that because you, you are very passionate about pitching and, and how things should be done and, and how we develop young pitchers. So talk a little bit about kind of your perspective on that and, and how that's maybe changed over, since you've been here working with the RBI program.
2: Well, from my point of view as, a, as an African-American pitcher, you just don't see as many, especially at the big league level, as there were when I was playing, um... There's a big drop off from ages 13 to 15 for pitching because guys know it's really tough. They don't get the kind of instruction that's going to instill that kind of confidence in them to go out there on the mound and believe that they can do it. So they just um, go to another position, Um, something more glamorous, a shortstop or or center field, because everybody wants to hit. Mm -hmm. But I found that um, everyone needs pitching at every level. If any kid can throw the ball over the plate, the coach is gonna pitch him a lot. So I wanted to make sure these guys had a foundation of trying to be able to not only pitch well, but protect their arms. Um, It's a lot more to it than just throwing the ball um, although it's been an emphasis placed on velocity, a lot of times these guys have no idea what they're doing at 12, 13, 14 years old. So I try to um, give them some basic fundamentals, and as they grow physically and, and um and mature in their bodies, they're still able to kind of grow as a pitcher. And so having that confidence to go out there and knowing that they can do things the right way, it only makes the job a little bit easier. And you and I know both that it's, it's not easy at all being in the middle of that mm-hmm. diamond and so much responsibility is placed on you and just trying to instill confidence in these young kids to continue to go on and, and, and try and move up to the next level, be it high school or college or even pro has always been a passion of mine because I I needed guys to help me on the way, and um, I still remember how those guys helped me, and hopefully that'll be my legacy. Um, These guys will remember how I tried to devote my time and and efforts in helping them get better as well. Mm, For sure. Well, Marvin, in the
0: next month or September will be three years we've been Greg and I have been doing this podcast almost 100 episodes, and I actually had somebody ask me last night, what is your, your favorite interview? And we always have a hard time choosing, but we both always end up going back to, I think, well, we got to interview Hank, and that was, it's like, how can you top that, right? But I started, after I said that, I started going through some of my favorite things and moments and topics, and I said, you know, I think one of the things that has stuck with me the most in the three years we've been doing this was when we had Marquise on, and we were talking about all the work that he does here in the community and with his, his program. And I was asking, what can we as an industry do better to get more African-American participation in baseball from a youth level and hopefully get the participation rate or get those rates at the big leagues higher? And he said, well, I'm not raising... He's like I'm not trying to train guys to get to the big leagues. I'm trying to raise men. It stuck with me so much cuz I've I'm always so focused on well, we got to get the participation right. We got to get more African American participation in the big leagues, which which is important for the growth of the game, I think. But when he said that, that kind of it just struck me and he's like, "No, I'm I'm trying to raise raise men here, trying mm-hmm. to give these guys, you know, more opportunities and get them into the real world." What is it, how much of that of the work you're doing is I would have to think that has to be of importance to you, too, is trying to give these kids direction and and just some, some guidance in life, right?
2: Yeah, that's the whole basis of my foundation. My foundation is built on mentoring youth, trying to um, instill values in them that will help them not only get – a better grasp on how to handle life. But baseball is like just a byproduct of what we do. Um, That's just something that they can really, I can get my hooks in them and get them interested in the things that I'm saying. A lot of kids that I work with there from single family homes, Um, they don't have that male influence. They don't have that male role model to kind of look up to or instruct them on, on how to carry themselves in today's world. And it's tricky, you know, trying to maneuver yourself in a way that's not going to put you in a bad Light, But also not going to make you think you've sold yourself down the river as far as trying to conform to somebody else's beliefs. It's just really making guys understand that life is a game and you have to know how to play it the right way in order to succeed or move to the next step. So that's what I really try and do. Me and my wife, we try to um, really motivate these kids to have better um, academic Preparation, um, and that's the premise for them being able to come and do all the free clinics and trainings that I do. They have to maintain a um, strong grade point average. We, we have, we have. Um writing skills competitions that we kind of reward these kids for at the end of the year um this year we're going to give away three laptop computers Um, and our foundation is really small so if we can touch one kid a year then we feel like we've made some progress so that's what we try to do we try to let these guys be able to build character and have a foundation so that they can become better humans better human beings and 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 better uh, members of society Hmm. well um I think it's
1: it's noteworthy for all the different programs because you know yeah you do have your foundation but I mean you got your hands in so many things and I think about uh, I don't know if you're involved in the Players Alliance but you know we've got that program that's going on through through the MLB PA and then um, obviously the Hank Aaron Classic the Hank Aaron Invitational through the MLB Development Program where you go down to Vero for a couple weeks and you're spending uh, a lot of time just working with these guys and then you got you're the Futures Game uh, coach you know pitching coach you've been involved in that and then on top of that you got the RBI program, and we got these fall development programs, and there's all kinds of stuff, so you're, you spend a lot of time working with these kids on not only getting opportunities, but really developing those skills that they need, so what would you say the, um, the overarching you know are we doing well from from a a baseball industry of pouring into these kids and giving them opportunities or do you think there's a lot more work to do
2: well there's always a lot more work to do based on the fact that when I grew up a lot of coaches volunteered they volunteered their time they volunteered their their money they volunteered their resources um now with the um, explosion of travel baseball and, and things of that nature is so expensive to even just go out and practice. I mean, we used to ride past fields, and and we can go out there and put a sandlot game together. Now I rarely see anybody on a baseball field on their own without some coach barking instructions over them. So they, they don't really get a chance to learn how, how to move. They don't really get a chance how to understand what they can do. So mostly it's like everybody's trying to build that perfect baseball player and not let these kids go out and discover their own talents. I, I try to instill a, a a practice technique that these kids can take at home in the backyard doing anything. I when I was um growing up in Chicago, I couldn't go outside in the winter and throw a baseball, so I flipped my mattress up in my room and threw into that just trying to be creative knowing that i had to still work on my craft no matter what the circumstances that surrounded you are you still got to go out there and try and do things that's going to make you better in addition to that i knew that i couldn't play baseball if i didn't get the grade so my parents really really looked at my report card and made sure that that was taken care of first before I got all these extra things and so just being able to give those values to kids nowadays that they might not be getting them, that, that's my pleasure
0: mm. Talking about academics, I think that's a good segue into what we're, we've got coming up here Friday night at Truist Park with HBCU night. You of course played, uh, went to Jackson State and I just wanted to kind of ask what was that experience like and the the impact of HBCU schools and we're, i know with the braves we're, we're trying we're, we're the reason we're having this night we're trying to support those programs as much as we can i talking about favorite episodes of this show last year for hbcu night we had uh, ralph gar and we had coach hollins from tuskegee mm-hmm. on and coach hollins is one of my favorite people we've met in the three years we've been doing this the enthusiasm he brought was just was fantastic mm-hmm. so just the 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 experience and uh, of going to an hbcu and what things we can do to to better support those programs
2: well coming out of high school um I, I've always wanted to go to Jackson State anyway. Um, a couple of baseball players that went to my high school ended up going down to Jackson State, and when they came back, they relayed some of the information and the, the experiences that they had. And Don't tell me that's Oil Can Boyd. Oil Can Boyd, Charlie <laughs> Scott, um, Dave Clark, West yeah, Chamberlain. That's right. I played um, against West Sunday. You know, the Howard Farmer and Mike Farmer brothers, um, Kurt Ford. So we had quite a few big leaguers come out of there, and they would all come back in the fall. and we. What I liked about it was that it was so much trash talk, <laughs> but it was on a good nature. You, you like that? I love it. The trash talk was great, a man. And um, when I first got down there, um, like we talked about having better resources i thought the field was going to look like truest field when i got down there and it looked like like a goat pasture and i asked the coach i was like this is the this is the practice field right he's like no we cut the grass and we we get out there and get after it he was like it ain't where you play it's how you play and coach Brady was one of the guys that really um i mean he he made a man out of me when i got to jackson state um growing up again in Chicago I pitched in 30 degree weather and guys didn't want to swing the bat too well up there when it's cold and I just had this false sense of security that I was the greatest thing that ever lived and when I got down there and them big old boys in the south man they got to look at that fastball and it was like steak and potatoes man. They swinging out there you know what and um, I, I remember the first game I pitched I got lit up and I'm you know I'm on the bus and I'm tearing my uniform off I'm like I just didn't know how to handle getting punished like that and coach got on the bus and he told me hey look that's this is going to happen again so it's how you handle these things that's going to shape you and i learned to you know make adjustments i learned to pitch better I learned to kind of avoid just doing the things that put me in that situation and made me feel that way and um you know i just can't thank him enough i still um still talk to him to this day um and he's always been a a great inspiration in my life down at jackson state well
1: uh one of the things that or one of my favorite alumni is ralph gar and you know ralph well long time brave scout and we we uh we just put together i guess we're getting ready to do our second one but the um lucas and Gar Classic Ruby Lucas and of course is here with us and and so we've got this tournament where we're taking their two alma maters Bill Lucas's and and uh, Ralph Gar's and and they're playing in a tournament here or a game here at the stadium, and so I, I I think about Ralph and and what he tells the stories of of going you know growing up and in college and how he played and and he's got just a great. Uh, perspective and, and he loved it and it was just yeah it wasn't you know nothing I don't think any of us played on fields like this well you did you went to tennis <laughs> well I don't know <laughs> compared to yeah I guess there's always something nicer right you're looking at it um, we were always in all of Mississippi State and LSU and all those schools yeah. but um, but uh, we've had a chance to talk with Ralph about uh, his experience and playing, and and one of the things that I love about what we're doing here is we're not only just recognizing these schools, but we're actually going in and we're buying tractors. You know, uh, we're buying, we're f- doing field refurbishment. We're trying to figure out how can we support you. One of the things that breaks my heart, and I, you know, you know, Anton- Antonio, and he's down at Morehouse, he has one scholarship. Yeah, and it's like, that's... how in the world can you compete? How uh, how in the world can you? be committed to baseball with one scholarship so I know that we're actively working with you know with him on how we can support Morehouse because you can't expect baseball to, to grow with those kind of when you don't have a field you know when you don't have your own field when you don't have it, the ability to keep it up and, and to grow so that's one thing I'm proud about the organization and how we're doing it and that's at the college level. and of course there's a lot of work to do before that like you said there's baseball's become very very expensive and there's no more pickup ball and so we're trying to find ways and that's what I love about what you guys are doing through the RBI program your experience at Jackson State is there anything else that you see that where we could come alongside and, and help an organization like Jackson State, their school, from their baseball program that, that maybe we're not seeing at
2: this point? Um, you know, other than the fact that there's only, like, one assistant coach that's being paid, um, the coaching is kind of um, diluted. Um, just being able to um, really – train these guys um and i and i know sometimes when we go in and try and put our you know fingers on a particular player sometimes the coaches get a little you know they they feel a certain way they feel like we're trying to overstep what they're teaching and, and things of that nature but really we're just trying to show that you know we came through the same situation we're just trying to pass on what we know some things that they may not have heard and you know these college coaches got so many things that they got to contend with um trying to recruit trying to get um you know funds trying to make sure their fields are up to up to par um and you know it's it's just going to be a situation where the kids are going to have to get more more help coming in financially um you know when you got two or three scholarships and you're trying to maintain a program that's going to have interest from kids that's outside looking in they want to know why you're not winning it's hard to win if you can't get the players. And the players won't come if they got to pay. You know, you got a guy that's a two-way player. He's a football player. He's a baseball player. He's going to take the scholarship that's going to that's gonna pay for his college education. And baseball is just not it. Um, you know, getting more fans at the games down there, those things are – you know, things that can improve as well. But, you know, until the quality of play and the scouting is more um, geared toward looking at these guys and, and, and let, letting them believe that they have an opportunity to get to the next level, then, you know, guys will still be looking for the big power colleges to go to, um, the facilities and all those things. They, they, they're like a dangling, shiny object in front of you. And then when you get there, I see so many guys trying to transfer because they're not getting the kind of playing time. Mm -hmm. That was the main reason why I went to Jackson State, too, because the coach told me, he said, you're going to play until you prove you can't play anymore. It wasn't you prove that you can play and then we'll play you. He promised me something when I got out of high school. I went down there. um, He stuck with me. And back then, when you go to college, you're there for at least till you graduate, mm-hmm. flunk out or get drafted. Now you got these schools they got exit meetings after every year, they're <laughs> telling guys you you're getting released, you know, you you're getting released from a college scholarship. That 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 sounds absurd to me, but, you know, it it's just the way things have um evolved and developed and until we get more resources to help these guys um compete financially, it's gonna still be tough to get good quality baseball players um for you know a widespread array of the teams that's down in these hbcus you know, we need to get Dion to
1: help out on the baseball side and have him recruit some more two-way players that let the football team pay for the scholarship and the baseball team gives the player right that's what we do we <laughs> just take a
2: couple of them football scholarships and move it over to the baseball side and then you'll have a lot more um avail- availability for guys to kind of come down there and 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 pay for their education mm-hmm. and play as well. So, one of my favorite followers, Greg, on Twitter is Marvin
0: Freeman 84. <laughs> right, he's one of my absolute favorites. Like For instance, yesterday I woke up and my entire timeline was full of the egg crate challenge. <laughs> and if you go through Marvin's timeline right now, he's already got a funny, really funny Photoshop of him pitching on top of a pier mega there we go. With stability is key, and he says, a shaky <laughs> beginning may be your downfall. <laughs> and if you scroll through Marvin's timeline, it is just fantastic because it's a mixture of really funny topical stuff like that but then also just just really great motivational stuff so I'm just curious like how did you start getting so active in in all of that and it it seems like and I'm just guessing here it seems like you enjoy it it seems like you have fun with it I do
2: I enjoy it because it gives me a way to kind of stay in contact with the players that I used to coach I get to monitor their pages and make sure they're not putting anything stupid up that may cost them something down the road Um, and plus it gives me a chance to kind of Say what I want to say and respond to whoever I want to respond to. Um, <laughs> because again, you know, sometimes you know you get these guys on here. They got Twitter muscles, and they they get a lot. They get a lot more brave uh, on, online than they do in person. So, I mean, I, I just try and keep it light. I try and make sure that um, it's either going to be inspirational or funny. I try to stay away from topics that's going to. Um, cause a lot of um, arguing or dissension and and just try and make it fun. It's social media so I'm just trying to be social on it but mainly because I have so many players that's on there and, and I want them to see and hear the messages that I give out on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. Well one of my favorite favorite uh Things to watch
1: on Twitter. A lot of times they'll show these videos of about ten guys standing around, and one pitcher on the mound, and then you got the radar gun in the back, and he throws a pitch, and they're all like cheering, like he just won the lottery. And then it says, "Yeah, I just went from 80 miles an hour to 85 over the summer," and, and it's like they're they're just it's like the carnival. It's, right? It is a carnival. It's a carnival. I'm <laughs>
2: waiting on somebody to come out with a big stuffed teddy bear and yeah, hand it over right. to the guy, and everybody just starts eating <laughs> cotton candy, but. It's it's hilarious to me. I, I like to see when they run and take like a 25-step running start and then throw the ball into a net with a coach standing behind it with a radar gun, and he's Yay. going, 98. I'm like, okay. And then you see the same guy on the mound, and he's 86 or 84, and he's like, how come I can't get that same velocity? I'm like, well, if you start running from second base, you might be able to get some of that That's juice. That's right. It's not the javelin, right? Oh man. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what they're um, – Um, Promoting and teaching out there. Mm. But, you know, you got a lot of parents that want that quick fix, that quick result. Mm. They want to – they're going to buy into some things that they don't really understand because Mm. some coaches told them, hey, this is how we're going to get your son, you know, to the next level or this is how we're going to get your son to one of these big, giant universities Mm. so he can get a chance to be drafted. And, you know, it's just really smoke and mirrors. um, And I try and, you know, debunk all of that with reality. You know, like say it don't matter how you know, I hear so many coaches say, Well, you know all you got to do is work hard and you can make it to the major leagues I'm like well you know it's a little bit more than that yeah. you got to be able to have some talent some resiliency you got to be able to be in the right situation there's just so much more to it than going out and just lifting weights and trying to see if you can throw a ball as hard as you can we've seen how that's working for a lot of these guys in the big <laughs> leagues um, shorter careers um, n- not able to locate and hitters are swinging and hitting balls farther than they've yeah. ever been hit before so you know there's still going to be something to pitching changing speeds and, and, and being able to get guys to hit the ball on the ground and that's that's what I focus on um, the things that made me successful things that I know work for sure because when I first came to the big leagues it was right around the time Dwight Gooden was um, breaking in striking out 300 I was like yeah that's going to be me I'm going to be the next Doc Gooden. <laughs> Man they was tearing me up. Boy, I was like I better go back to sinking this ball trying to throw a slide and find out what a change up really is and because uh, I didn't I didn't plan on just pitching, you know, one or two years. I wanted to have a career and I knew mm-hmm. that it was gonna take, you know, the ability to learn how to pitch to be able to do that. Because once you've seen ninety five from one guy the next guy don't look so surprising to you. So you better Mm -hmm. learn how to take what you have and make the best of it. Right, Greg? You got it. (laughs) Uh, Jeff Francoeur
1: was talking to me the other day, but he was trying to, he was trying to break into, I guess there was a U.S. amateur or something. He was playing in a golf tournament and he came back so dejected. He said something like, man, I was, my practice rounds were so good. And I went down there and I just (laughs) wet the bed and uh, I said, well, yeah, it's kind of like pitching the bullpen. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen a lot of people get the
2: 20 seven Yankees out in the oh, bullpen yeah. they cross that line boy and that's, that white line fever hits you man it's, it's something you can't, can't shake you that's know? right
1: well we we appreciate you coming on and you know you had a great career you played 10 seasons and you you got to start you got to uh, relieve you're on you know championship teams and um, so you just uh, and I'm glad you're passing along all that knowledge and, and wisdom that you have we appreciate what you're doing with the RBI program and all the young young men that you're influencing So, enjoy HBCU night. Uh, I know you and Marquise are going to be here, and uh, we're going to have a great time. So, thanks for coming on. Absolutely,
2: anytime. And I'll have my number thirteen Jackson State uniform on. Nice. All right. Look forward to it. That's going to be great. Thank you, Marvin. (laughs)
0: All right, thanks again to Marvin Freeman for joining us here on Behind the Braves, one of your great Braves, our great Braves alumni, Greg. And so this weekend, big series with the Giants here at Truist Park. And Sunday, of course, is Alumni Sunday. You just told me who we've got on. And, and Daryl Chaney, of course, remember Daryl Chaney. And then one of my all-time kind of fan favorite players, Matt Diaz, uh, is going to be here. So it's it's. I don't believe we've seen – can't remember the last time I saw Matty D around here. It's been a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, he lives in Florida, so we don't get the chance to see him a lot. But he, he's been involved in fantasy camp over the years, and uh, he's a lot of fun. He's a funny guy. And, and uh, so I'm glad he's coming back. He's bringing his son. And, and then uh, – so we'll have them out in the plaza from 1130 to 1230 on Sunday. So come get an autograph. We've got cool baseball cards we'll be handing out. And then I'll do a little Q&A as always uh, after we're done for everybody inside the stadium and in the plaza. So it would be good to hang out with them for a few hours
0: and and hear what they're up to. One thing, one quick note about Matt Diaz. I remember when he was uh, first signed on with the Braves or came to the Braves, I think it was around 2006, and then he was, you know, he ended up being here for a few years, and uh, I remember... It was like a—I don't know, even know how it came up, but somehow it came up in the press. It was like a point of pride with him that he was not going—that he didn't have like a, a big, very expensive sports car or anything. <laughs> well, those particular areas of Braves, there were a lot of big, jacked-up trucks on those mm-hmm. that particular area. But at Turner Field, and I was just a fan back then, so I'd come to games, and you could walk, you could oversee. If I'm in the ballpark, you could see out, and you could see the players lot, and you could see all sure. the cars sitting there, and there was a lot of fancy sports cars, a lot of big, jacked-up trucks and that kind of thing. And then his Honda and Accord. And then there was his, it was his, I think it was a Nissan Maxima. <laughs> okay. Uh, something like that. Or maybe Nothing wrong Honda, with a Honda Accord, but Hey, you know, I'm all for it. I, I Yeah, I, there was a time when I was younger where I always wanted the, the big expensive fancy car. I'd always like really th- sought after that. And mm-hmm. now I guess I'm just getting to be an old fart, but now I'm just like, nope, nope, not spending my money on that. Mm-hmm. I don't don't want it. I uh, think the older we get, we realize that, man, eh, maybe that wasn't the best thing to maybe, do. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <clears throat> um but i it always cracked me up i to look I'd look over in the players lot and see that one that you knew was Matt Diaz's car because it was parked amongst the others and somebody asked him about it and I'll have to look up the quote but he was it was like a point of pride with him he's like yes runs great (laughs) what anything else for us so so that'll be fun Daryl Chaney and Matt Diaz in the plaza very good good deal all right well thanks again to Marvin Freeman for joining us and thanks as always to all of you for listening and rating reviewing subscribing and spreading the good word about this podcast we very much appreciate it uh for Greg McMichael I'm Ricky Mast we'll see you next week on behind the braves hey braves country we just wanted to remind you to rate review and subscribe behind the braves on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, stitcher or at braves.com slash behind the braves or wherever you get your podcasts thank you and we'll see you next time on behind the braves